0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. One of the ways we help you make better decisions is through our content at Clark.com and our money-saving deals At ClarkDeals.com. I hope you'll visit. And while you're there, hey, why don't you sign up for our free newsletters? Remember the price I said? Free. Today, there's been a lot of big and confusing news about student loan forgiveness. And I want to tell you as best I can what the deal is. And if you're a regular listener to our podcast, you know that I hate Zell z-e-l-l-e it is a frankenstein's monster creation of the giant monster mega banks that is causing so much financial hardship for so many people i need to tell you that you have a special assignment i'm going to give you later in this podcast to take that frankenstein monster out of your life but first do you know today is National Teacher Appreciation Day, so I didn't know that, but uh, my boss Krista told me that, and I'm sure you were always the kind of person who is taking an apple to your teacher at school or something. You were I such. Tried. You were such a goody-two-shoes teacher's pet.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that. However, I do, it's funny, I've recently reconnected with my favorite teacher ever. Third grade? Third grade, Ronnie Hunting's bomb, Miss Hunting's bomb. Um, she and she's actually a listener to you. Like when we reconnected, she's like, "I listen to Clark Howard," and she loves you. And she's just the most kind-hearted, wonderful human being. And I'm so grateful for her and the role she played in my life. So,
1: how about you? Who was your favorite teacher? Uh, well, he's deceased now, but uh, Paul Koshua, who was a uh, taught me math, but he was a war hero fought in World War II, was wounded in the war, um, and fought in Korea, fought in Vietnam, and then uh, taught. And he was this guy who just every day was like the greatest day of his life. And he brought that positive energy to everybody. And I think it's important to, to mention that who we remember, who inspires us, are the people who bring that positive energy. I'm sure that was why you remember a third grade teacher.
0: Oh yes, Baum, I mean the way she treated all of us, and now she like helps run a nonprofit. It's a food pantry for dogs called Jazzy's Place in Upstate New York. So when people have financial difficulties, a lot of times like there's just not money to feed their pets, and so they help make up for that. It's pretty awesome.
1: All right. <laughs> well, speaking of education. There's this elephant in the room with education where there's a segment of the American people who want total college loan forgiveness. And I should tell you that I'm not a fan of that, even if that's going to disappoint you because you're sitting there with college loans and you feel like, hey, this is just burdening my life. I want it out of my life. It's not equitable for the people who did not go to college. Or who paid off their student loans to just say, magically, those loans are going away. And so I should preface anything I say about this, that I'm not a fan of just allowing colleges to charge whatever they want, people borrow whatever amount they want under the federal student loan program, and then the government says, oh, well, we're just going to forgive all that. Because a lot of the high cost of college today is because of the fact that all that student loan availability is there colleges are not run as financially disciplined organizations because of all that college loan money that flows i mean if you really wanted to fix the lack of affordability with college we would greatly restrict access to student loans and then colleges having to fill their enrollments would become more efficient but anyway that's that's an overview in the midst of that there is a lot of stuff going on Because I am a big fan of public service loan forgiveness, passed uh, virtually unanimously by Congress uh, 15, 20 years ago, whatever. And it was designed that if people were willing to do things like uh, be a firefighter, police officer, teacher, uh, various public service jobs, work for nonprofits, where they were choosing to provide public service. And as a result, earn less money than they could in the private sector. That the trade off and the deal for them was that after 10 years of working in a job like that, their student loans would be forgiven. Well, in the past, we talked about how that did not happen because of abuses by the contractors that were collecting student loan payments, that they made more money by ignoring the student loan forgiveness rules than honoring them. So now there's going to be some one-time government waivers, supposedly going to be automatic. I want you to read our briefing at Clark.com on how this works, and you're not, in theory, supposed to have to do anything. You're going to have a certain amount of loans forgiven just for breathing if you work in public service, in a public service job, towards the public service loan forgiveness. There are also things happening with people that are on income-based repayment plans that are not in public service jobs who were deprived of the tools that were supposed to be available to them by the private loan contractors working for the federal government on student loans, the servicers, who misled students and had them in the wrong payment plans so they could make more money servicing those loans there are now going to be provisions to give credits when credit should have been earned. So it is a part of a loaf. It's not a whole loaf. Uh, It deals with some of the things that went wrong with the student loan forgiveness programs. But again, I am 100% opposed to total forgiveness unconditionally for student loans. I think that is wrong, wrong, wrong. There are situations, though, Where that should happen, and thats I'll give you another one, with for-profit schools that hoodwink people into really expensive loan programs to attend programs, and the schools either folded or never provided the education they promised, and then the student ends up with a massive amount of loans, because of the fraud involved in those situations, I think it is reasonable to have loan forgiveness in those cases. But what we really need is we need a complete rethink about how paying for a college education works and have an 18-year-old, 19-year-old not understand the implications of signing loan agreements that obligate them for massive amounts of loans that can be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars before they can really even understand what that all means. That's just terrible. and. We are not there to feather the nest of these colleges with massive amounts of borrowed money coming in. Their job is to educate so that people qualify for jobs in the workplace. Why do you think so many people now are afraid to go to college? Because they're afraid they'll end up with all these loans and they're not going to get a skill that's going to get them a job in the marketplace. So, we as a society need to deal with. With this monster we've created which is approaching you ready for this two trillion dollars two trillion dollars outstanding on student loans that is ridiculous and unconscionable so with that having been said enough negativity i talked earlier about how positive energy is so important krista Let's go positive here.
0: All right. Well, this is a great one. Ethan in Florida says, I'm happy to have my first child entering college this upcoming fall. With a combination of many years of good savings and the Florida State Scholarship Program, we have the costs covered. My question, in reviewing the payment options, the university will accept tuition payment with a credit card. I like this option as I am a dedicated one world mile accumulator through business travel and travel credit cards. Since we have to pay this tuition anyway, why not get a benefit for the thousands of payment dollars to go along with it? Will these big charges push up my max credit usage for the months of billing and negatively affect my credit score? And to prevent this, can I just prepay the credit card bill in advance so there isn't a huge charge? Thanks, Clark, for your advice and the wonderful community that you've created.
1: Well, Ethan, congratulations on having fully pre-funded college. Uh, That's a fantastic thing. So, yes, you can do what you said where you prepay the bill to the credit card company when you know you're going to make a big tuition payment. And then what's reported to the credit bureau is your balance that you have already prepaid essentially rather than the balance that results from the charges for tuition however one thing you should check and it may not be a problem with the florida system but it is in most states that you will have to pay typically a three percent fee for using your credit card and at three percent if that is in fact the fee it will probably wipe out any positive benefits of you accumulating the points on your One World mileage program that you're trying to accumulate extra points on.
0: And this is from Linda in New Hampshire. Hi, Clark. We have a 529 question. We tried to front load it as much as possible, but we have not contributed in many years. Normally, we're boring buy-and-hold investors of passive index funds. My son will be a freshman in the fall of 2022, So, we need the funds shortly. College will be approximately 40K per year. The current balance is 149K. In December, it was 158K. (laughs) With the world so uncertain now and the funds needed so soon, would you cash out the balance or half the balance to hold in a money market fund to avoid any additional losses? And by the way, we just joined Costco to see what all the hubbub is about. Not sure if I'll end up naming my new kitten Kirkland Signature, but only time will tell.
1: Well, <laughs> Costco is a pretty great store, but you'll decide if it's great for you. All right, so you don't pull the money out of the five twenty nine, and congratulations to you for having saved all this money in a five twenty nine account. What you do is, in the five twenty nine account, there will be a age based portfolio based on, or they'll call it some term like that, with your son entering college this fall your money should all go into the fund for the current enrollment year. It's basically at that point in something uh, more like an ultra low risk fund rather than invested in index funds or anything like that. That's why you saw the $9,000 drop in value in a short period of time because you have it so totally invested. This is not the point to do that. But it stays in the 529 because whatever it earns over the four years, you'll continue to earn tax free and then spend tax free on your son's college costs, eligible college costs. So you only withdraw from the 529 as the money is needed for actual tuition bills and other eligible expenses and leave it in there till 26 or 27, whenever your son does finish school.
0: And this is from Peter in Florida. Last year, I was blessed to have my law school loans forgiven via the public student loan forgiveness program. The loan accounts have been closed on my credit reports. How long should I keep my monthly loan statements for proof of my payments? And what about my employment certification forms? I've worked for the same federal agency since 2010.
1: So Peter, because of the inaccuracies and record keeping by the student loan servicers, I would keep your proof of successful payment of your loans over the years and your ultimate forgiveness, your certification forms, I want you to at least scan them in so you have a digital image of them pretty much the rest of your life. I have been so frustrated over the years when we'll hear from someone who has paid off their student loans, not have them forgiven like you did, but paid them off, And then a collector calls, uh, the longest I had was 20-something years later. I did a TV story on this where someone had paid off all their loans and now was being harassed by a collector saying, well, how can you prove it? And they had no actual proof because it was more than two decades back that they had paid off their student loans. Because of the haphazard nature of how the student loan programs work and the failures of the banks and the servicers to keep proper records, you need to keep the proof for the rest of your days. That was negative again. Well, I mean, we talked were about forgiven. all this positive energy that people can put in the universe and that's twice I've been That's so okay. Negative. You're letting people know it's positive. All right. So I, here I am, I'm going to be negative again coming up. Because we're going to talk about Big Bad Zell. There's never a week that goes by that we don't hear from people about how money has vanished from their bank account because of big bad Zell. Zell is a monster created by seven of the nation's giant monster mega banks Bank of America, Capital One, Chase, PNC, Truist, US Bank and Wells Fargo. So these banks years ago were terrified of what was going on with Venmo and Cash App and how they were encroaching on bank territory. So the banks were like, "Hey, this is terrible. We we got to we got to get in there." So they half-baked this lousy app called Zelle that attaches to your bank account and has zero consumer protections at all. And if you do a search on Google or any other search engine, and you go to the news thing, you put in Zell, you will see one TV story after another after another being done by local television stations all across America. Because one person after another go on camera and say, I don't know what happened, but all this money disappeared from my account. And the bank says, life's tough and I'm going to die because I had Zelle. And I didn't even know I had Zelle. So here's what's going on. Banks so badly want this Zelle thing as part of your life that a lot of them are activating it on your account without even telling you. Others are conning you that Zelle is some kind of good thing and getting you to sign up for this trash because... They don't want to have to deal with the potential competitors taking market share from them. But the problem is, and this is why the U.S. Senate is doing hearings right now about what they're going to do about the problems with Zelle, is that there are no consumer protections at all. So when a thief gets in your account at a bank under federal law, The bank has to restore the funds to your account. You have protection against fraud. But what the banks are saying is that Zelle is not your bank account. That Zelle just is attached to your bank account. So when a criminal engages in fraud and steals money through Zelle, the bank says, oh, not our problem. Your money's gone. We're having a great day. Too bad you're not. So, What's eventually going to happen, there are going to be all the lawsuits against the banks for how people have had their money vanish because of Zelle and how the banks uh, were so negligent in setting it up or just flat out didn't care. And so eventually, the banks will pay ridiculously small compensation and all that, but your money's still going to be gone. I need for you to know, Zelle is dangerous. Dangerous. and you need to shut it off at your bank period shut it off again you may not even know you have it active you go to the app that you have for your bank hopefully there's a click off to shut zelle off but the problem is is has come out in news reports that may not even be sufficient because if a criminal hacks into your account They can go in and they can turn it back on. But at the very least, you want to shut it down. Never use it. Never, 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 not ever use Zelle until the banks, and again, the big bad banks that own this, Bank of America, Capital One, Chase, PNC, Truist, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo. Oh, there's Wells Fargo again. What else is Wells Fargo going to do for you today? Anyway, know that these banks have within their operation the power, since they own it, to set it up the right way with rails that provide consumer protection. But they cynically don't. And I told you a couple of weeks ago that there's apparently some arguing going on among the banks that, hey, you know what? This, this is a problem here. We should probably do something. And then other banks are like, no, 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 no. This is great. Our liability is going away. We did a workaround with that and we're getting fat off this thing. This is dangerous. Make a point of doing what you need to, whatever your bank requires to shut Zelle down and get it out of your life, period. It was something I talked about about six weeks ago that I heard from a bank officer who said, hey, keep saying all that stuff about Zelle. So we have people come in all the time. They're having problems with it. So this was the funniest thing. This bank officer told me that she went and opened an account at an online bank, put a tiny amount of money in it, attached Zelle to it, Because once you have it attached somewhere, you can't then do it at another financial institution. So her total risk went from unlimited, whatever she had in her account, plus whatever overdraft she had with the bank she worked for, to a maximum risk of $5 by setting up an online bank account and attaching it to. Should you have to do that? Should you have to do any of that? No, you shouldn't. So again... Why do the banks want to bring more shame on themselves? Why do they want to bring harm to their customers? And why, oh, why are the Zelle owners such cowards that I've offered over and over again to come on this podcast and tell why I'm wrong about Zelle? Why are they silent? Because they know I'm right. They know I'm right. And they got a problem and they need to fix it. They need to fix it. So again, one more time, Krista, the banks that own this, Bank of America, Capital One, Chase, PNC, Truist, U.S. Bank, and Wells Fargo, it's up to you guys and women to fix this. I don't want it to be just the generic banks. These are the parties that have caused this problem, and they're the ones They need to get together and say, oops, we're ruining people's lives. We're destroying their hard work, saving money, and their money's vanishing from their accounts because of what we have done, and so we're going to fix it, and we're going to make it right. It's about time to do that.
0: So I have a follow-up question for you on this from Janice in New Jersey. She says, you recommend not using Venmo, Cash App, and Zelle but if you already are set up, how do you disassociate your account from the app?
1: So with Venmo and Cash App, really easy. You just go and you shut down your account. I mean, on is it Venmo or Cash App that they've got a simple thing that you I just both click? both have that, yeah. You go into your account settings
0: and it says
1: cancel account. So there's nothing to it. There should be the equivalent for Zelle. So far, there's not.
0: You have to call your bank and then actually get them to take it off of your account, we've heard. Right, and
1: and every bank does it differently, and they're resistant to doing it because they're under so much pressure from the bank they work for. By the way, I talked about the owners. Zell though, is is everywhere everywhere with the banks, even the ones that don't own it. And so it's part of their culture to try to get you hooked into the Zell con game. And so you're the one who's got to be assertive. About making sure Zelle is turned off. This is fixable. The question is why they're not fixing it. And that's what's so upsetting.
0: This is from Angie in Florida. My daughter is going to a remote island in Alaska for a month. Wi-Fi is supposed to be available, but I'm thinking of getting her a satellite phone. I just don't know where to start. Help Clark.
1: So Angie, um, satellite phones or something that that is out there used a lot in industrial jobs used by people who are working in remote corners of the earth. And if you were to do a search for satellite phones, you'll see a lot available. You'll get confused about it. You've got to make sure that the satellites serving a uh, satellite provider cover the area of Alaska where your child's going to be. So, Your daughter being in a remote area, if there really is Wi-Fi, then you don't want the big expense of a satellite phone. You should try to buy one used. You'll find them available, used on eBay. And just got to know what network it operates on and that network is available. And then you pay for the usage of the satellite phone. Now, one of the good things with satellite phones now is a lot of them, offer very affordable texting. It's expensive calling, but they offer very affordable texting. And so you would be able to stay in communication and know that she has the ability to stay in touch even in a remote, remote corner of the world. Now, there also is something people are doing that is more involved, and that is using Starlink, which you can use for both all forms of communication and internet which is one of Elon Musk's companies. But you have to buy this expensive disk. You'd have to travel with it. You have to set it up. But then you have full communications at very high speed, and soon it will be available worldwide. It's $120 a month for unlimited use of Starlink.
0: And this is from Jonathan in Ohio. Clark recommends a checking account at a separate institution for payment apps like Venmo, CashUp, et cetera, due to lack of consumer protection when connected to debit cards, does this also apply to the debit card version of the target red card?
1: Yes, that is that is a very good point. So the target red card, because it comes under debit card rules, the issue is that if there's fraud with that account, your money ultimately gets restored to your account, but in the meantime, you don't have access to your money, which makes it, Not a debit card is kind of a way station of risk versus what Venmo and Cash App and that other one that I was talking about earlier, that they represent where you have no consumer protections if your money does vanish. With the target red card, you do have some protections involving fraud where the money is stolen. Somebody hacks in, whatever, they steal your number. You have protections, but in the meantime, the protections are not nearly as good is with a credit card and again you're without your money for a period of time so i like the idea of tying in a target red card to a separate account just as you might do with venmo or cash app and i want to thank you for listening and i hope that you picked up some information today that will be very useful to you in your life you did so please share it with others and please take to heart what I've said about Zell. Get that garbage out of your life now.